Welcome back to the best Gamecocks podcast around Gamecock Nation, Next Gen Gamecocks. This is a podcast run to give light to all Gamecock athletics. In today's show, we will talk about the spring game and all the storylines that surround the football program heading into the summer offseason. Then, we will take a look at how softball and baseball teams are doing so far this year. Now, Gamecock Nation, grab a towel, because a storm is brewing. You're listening to Next Gen Gamecocks. Woo! Gamecock Nation, we're back. Yes, sir. I'm really, really excited, Gamecock fans, to be back bringing you guys content. I know we have been MIA for a good bit, and I apologize for that. Sometimes life can just take you down these crazy paths, and you've got to give energy to that. You've got to be able to um, just kind of give you that some that more of your attention and, and more of your energy. And for me, it's been been school and some stuff going on outside of uh, outside of that, and. And, you know, given the, the main podcast, Next Gen Athletics, a lot of, more of my attention with the, the tournament going on and, and just all that stuff that kind of goes with that. So I just had to give that more of my attention. And so I apologize that the content has been lacking, to say the least. It's been pretty lacking. But I'm back. I'm excited to be back. And I could not have picked a better time to come back because we had an exciting weekend in Gamecock Athletics. Obviously, the spring game took the forefront of that, but along with the the spring game, softball and baseball had some pretty exciting uh, weekends as well. So let's dive right in. Let's start with the spring game. And guys, oh my God, I cannot tell you how nice it was to be back at Willie B under the lights with Gamecock fans watching some Gamecock football. It was awesome. Honestly, it was great. Um, I was able to go with my dad and my little brother. This was the first time I'd been able to go see a game at Willie B with them. Normally, I'm in the student section and they're uh, way up in the crowd somewhere at their at their season tickets. But that was fun to kind of be able to experience that with them for the first time. We sat in the end zone kind of adjacent to the student section, so it was interesting to see it from a completely opposite view. Honestly, it was a little better because you could actually see the scoreboard and you're not kind of like turning around, craning your neck way up in the air trying to trying to see what they're doing. But it was it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Gamecock fans showed up, showed out, and supported like nobody's business. We got there probably 45 minutes or so before Gamecock walk, just to kind of walk around and see Gamecock Park and, and be able to get good spots for, for the Gamecock walk and watch the team walk by. And, I mean, we, we got one of the last spots in the tailgate lots. Um, it was awesome to see Gamecock fans show up the way they did, show out and support the team the way they did. I know that that was a big deal for the team. I know it was a big deal in recruiting. We'll talk about that a little later on. I know it was a, just a big deal for everybody involved. And so, you know, Gamecock fans continue to show that they're the best fans in the country. And that's not, a, that's not anything to be, you know, taken lightly. Right, I think everybody says it. Every college says it, but not a lot of Gamecocks, or excuse me, not a lot of programs around this country have fifty-one thousand people show up for a spring game. And on the number of the fifty-one thousand, was it fifty-one thousand? Was it not fifty-one thousand? That's not for me to say. All I know is 
Clemson came out earlier in the day and said they had 50,000. We came out that night and said we had 51. I love it. I love the banter. I love the jokes. Uh, Gamecock football, you fully understood the the assignment, as some have said. Um, just another funny kind of storyline, one up at the, at the end of the day. I don't think either team had 50,000 people there. I mean, let's be real honest with ourselves. I'm not even sure the lower bowl seats 50,000 people. So, you know, just kind of a funny little tidbit there. But um, anytime you can say you were better than your rival, I think it's a good day. And uh, I think we'll all uh, get behind that. So let's kind of break down the actual spring game. There's some good, there's some bad, and then there's just some stuff that you're kind of like, yeah, you know, it's a spring game. So let's start with the, you know, eh, it's just a spring game. Um... You know, I think that there's a lot you can learn from a spring game, and then there's a lot of stuff at the end of the day that you go, yeah, I mean, it's just a spring game, right? Like, the fact that there were kind of low scoring in the second and third quarters, you, you, you know, yeah, like, it's a spring game. You, you've got two makeshift offensive lines, you've got two makeshift defenses, you've got, you know, one team is Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, the other team has probably a more reliable running option. So, you know, it was pretty understandable to see that the the play calling was a little relaxed. The um, just overall play was a little bit laid back. Um, I was really excited to see a lot of the good, right? So let's kind of jump into the good. First thing that jumps off the page at me, Spencer Rattler. Spencer, we, we've heard that Rattler has had a good preseason um, in the spring, we had heard that he had really kind of stepped up and looked a lot more comfortable in the Dowell Logan system. And, you know, I think that just being in South Carolina another year, being at the university with those guys in the locker room, the coaching staff, being with those guys another year has just kind of helped him to feel more comfortable. And I think that that's something that's completely normal, you know, for, for myself when I got to a college campus, whether I was a freshman or not. It was a big change. And so your game kind of takes a dip, and then you kind of come back up once you get comfortable. And so I think that that's what we're seeing now out of Spencer Rattler. He feels like he's proven that he is the guy, right? I think a lot of early last year we were, you know, there was a lot of expectations on him, and I think he put a lot of expectations on himself to be that day one guy. And it kind of showed. He forced a couple passes, and that resulted in maybe some, some bad decisions, some turnovers. But, you know, from what I saw in the spring game, it looked like a more confident Spencer Rattler who knew he was going to have a big year. He knew that that he and Juice especially were going to have uh, just a dynamic connection all year long. They combined for that big play about 50, 40, 50 yards early in the game that led to the Trainox touchdown. Uh, the connection that him and Juice have and the connection that him and Trey Knox already have in Knox's uh, short time in Columbia, is it's a special, right? It's something that gives me a lot of hope going into August, September when we're actually playing football games that we're going to have a lot of options on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm excited for that. Um, that was the first thing that jumped off the page to me was just Spencer Rattler looking more poised, looking more confident, more comfortable in the system. The second thing that jumped off the page at me so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball I thought Eddie Lewis was a guy that hasn't gotten a lot of praise in in the media he looked really good to me Trey Knox obviously I just mentioned him he he had had a touchdown catch and looked really really good in the spring game Juice Wells is Juice Wells. He, he showed up and, and performed exactly like I thought he would. Caught a good couple balls, had a touchdown pass. Actually had his first touchdown pass in Willie B, so congratulations, Antoine, on that. 
Happy for you, buddy. Uh, Xavier Leggett had a couple catches. Um, I thought Dak looked pretty good at running back. Mario Anderson showed some flashes of, of being a potentially pretty good running back. Um, Joshua Simon uh, looked pretty good for the Garnet team as well. So just a lot of excitement um, around Gamecock Athletics right now, and especially this football program. There's a lot of excitement there. That's a lot of good. The next and final thing that I'm going to kind of talk about in this good, bad, ugly um, segment is Dowell Loggins. I thought... You know, Dow Loggins came out last week during a press conference and said, well, you know, it's going to be vanilla. It, it's We're not going to give away the playbook. It's going to be pretty lackluster. And <laughs> I think, you know, it was kind of funny. I can't remember if it was either the first player of the game or the second player of the game, but it was a swing pass. And <laughs> there was this moment of panic in my in my chest. It was just, you know, just instinct. It was like, oh, no. Like, it's going to – we're going to do this all over again, aren't we? And, and – they didn't do too many swing passes. Obviously, you know, the swing pass itself is actually a really good offensive play, but when you run it every single down, it doesn't work as effectively as you would think. Um, but that was just kind of a funny thing that the, the play calling, I'm sure they, they had drawn that up and, and as a joke almost amongst the coaches and amongst the players is, yeah, let's just, let's just kind of tease them just a little bit, just a little bit, just once, just to kind of get their attention. But um, other than that, I mean, I, if that was the vanilla – I'm excited to see what the chocolate looks like because I thought the play calling looked pretty um, dynamic. Honestly, it looked a lot like what we saw against Tennessee and Clemson, just kind of pushing the ball further down the field, letting your playmakers make plays, getting the ball in the, getting the ball in the hands of your of your best players, and that's what we saw a lot of on Saturday night. And like I said, I mean, if that's vanilla, if that's lackluster, if that's kind of the the bottom tier basic stuff, I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing that. That, that chocolate, that Neapolitan, that, that that strawberry flavor, just because, I mean, there's a lot to be desired from a spring game, but, I mean, it's just whew. spring game. I feel like half of the spring game is seeing how good your guys are, and then the other half is just getting everybody excited for the fall. It's just kind of a little taste. You know, here's what you might potentially see in the fall times 100. So um, that that's kind of my thoughts on the whole Dow Loggins thing. I know that there's been a lot of – not criticism, but just kind of commentary on, on social media about that. Just like, you know, the play calling and was it vanilla or was that really what we can expect? I have no reason not to trust him. So I'm going to say it was probably just vanilla. The play calling looked pretty simple. You know, it, it wasn't anything complex. So I would say that's probably the, you know, the first couple pages in the playbook that they really established in the spring. And we're going to see them uh, just kind of rip the bandaid off and go absolutely haywire and go crazy this fall with some pretty electric offensive performances. So let's hand out some MVP awards. I'm going to do an offensive one and a defensive one. My offensive guy, I already mentioned him, Trey Knox, um, a guy who had his first touchdown catch in, in that opening drive from Spencer Rattler set up by the big play from Juice Wells. He caught, I don't know the exact number, but he had a lot of catches. He had a good few yards um, Gamecocks athletics, they don't make the stats public. Um, and if they do, I don't know where to look. So maybe somebody listening to the show, if you know where you can go and find those, maybe let me know, point your, point your good friend in, in the direction that, that he can find those stats. But I mean, listen, we knew coming into the spring that Trey Knox was going to be a weapon. We knew going into the year that he had done this, that, and the other at Arkansas. He was really, really good, and that we should expect a lot out of him. 
But, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate, right? Like, we thought the same thing last year from Austin Stogner, and, you know, God bless his heart, he just didn't perform. And, you know, I think that the jump between being in the Big 12 and being in the SEC was just too much for him, and that's a shame for him. I feel feel you got to feel for the young man. You know, I, I wish him all the best at, at Oklahoma, but Trey Knox is everything that, that we thought Austin Stogner could be and then some. And, and, you know, underneath Trey Knox, Joshua Simon as well, I thought looked really, really good, uh, really electric, really explosive, and, and that was exciting to see as well. But um, Trey Knox kind of my, my offensive MVP just for showing up, showing out, being a guy that I think we're going to rely on a lot. Just another one of those offensive weapons that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think that this team is just going to be electric and Trey Knox is going to have a huge role to play in the fall. My defensive MVP, I was sitting there thinking, you know, sometimes it can be really difficult to pick a guy on the defensive side of the ball in a spring game just because it's so much more designed for the offense than it is anything else. You know, the defense is just so put together. Um, so my defensive MVP uh, goes by a guy by the name of Colin Bryant. And you're probably sitting here thinking, who in the heck is Colin Bryant? Uh, Colin Bryant had a pick six for the Garnet team. It tied the game up. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a redshirt sophomore, uh, a linebacker number 46, or excuse me, 45. So, you know, awesome. Love that for that kid. Um, he's a guy that's probably not going to get a lot of playing time. And if he is, it's because we've down a lot of guys to injury suspension and what have you. Um, so, you know, I, I was awesome. It was cool to see, right? Anytime you get to go to a spring game, some of the young guys get to play some of the guys that, that won't get a lot of minutes, get, get the opportunity to get in the, get in the game and make a play. Um, and he made a pretty big one. I mean, he kind of got the competitive juices flowing in that game again. So that was exciting to see. Um, and, and anytime one of the, one of the, the lower tier guys is like in a basketball game when they go in at the very end and and it's the bench guys the walk-ons that are just kind of there to, to fill up a roster spot uh, anytime those guys get to go in and do something impressive everybody goes crazy it's a great atmosphere it's a great scene so i was really happy for the young man to to get a pick six nonetheless to tie the game and kind of get the the competitive juices going back in that game and, and give us a pretty exciting finish obviously the black getting the win in double overtime uh 19 to 17 and then, you know, let's kind of move away from the MVP awards and let's talk about some more good from from the spring game. We're, we're a positive uh, podcast today. Uh, the recruit, recruiting, man, recruiting. There were so many recruits in the building on Saturday night. It was really exciting to see. I'm sure Shane Beamer and company are going to have a couple welcome homes coming soon. I don't know when those will be, but I, I would assume as, as the summer months begin, we're going to start seeing those roll in. Um, and the thing that stood out to me was the fact that Dante Reno, Maz Bennett, Cam Pringle, some of these guys who are already committed are doing such a great job of recruiting more guys to the program. If you guys didn't see, I tweeted out during the game. Um, it was, I was sitting there with my dad and, and Dante Reno and a couple of recruits walked out in front of us. And I go, oh, like there's, there's Dante Reno. And he was with Michael Smith at the time. And they walk by, and this couple stops them. Obviously, everybody knows who Dante Reno is. So they're talking to him. I'm, I, heaven only knows what they were talking about. And they hand him a child, like a little, probably one, two-year-old child. Not like a baby baby, but a baby. And he's taking a picture. And so 
dad and I are cracking up that this, you know, 16, 17 year old kid is taking a picture with a baby and I'm watching this happen, right? And laughing, having a good time. And I pan up to the game just in time to see a busted coverage. Juice Wells wide open, catches a touchdown pass. Turns out it was his first touchdown catch in Willie B. So there was so much happening, right? Like Burritos taking pictures with babies. Juice is catching touchdown passes. It's good, right? We're having fun. We're having a blast. So I take the Twitter because if you guys didn't know, I was just kind of updating everybody on, on what's going on in the game, giving my thoughts on what was happening. And I took the Twitter and I said, you know, Juice catches his first, catches the touchdown pass and completely unrelated news, Dante Reno's in the crowd taking pictures with babies. A man of the people, I think is what I said. And that tweet has since blown up. It's It has well over 12,000 views. Dante Reno himself retweeted it, saying anything for the great people of Columbia. Uh, quarterback one, if you're listening, um, listen, man, you're a star on campus and you haven't even stepped foot on here, right? You're not, you're not even in the state right now. You're up in, in Massachusetts. So um, a, lot of, a lot of anticipation for you. But I mean, that's just kind of a, a funny thing. But to I, I tell that story to say this, you know, the fact that those guys, Dante Reno, Maz Bennett, Cam Pringle, some of these other guys now that, that are, are, are committed to the program, the fact that they're going out of their way to do more recruiting is so inspirational for other guys to join the program, right? I've said on this podcast before, you know, when I got to play college soccer, for a year before injuries ended that it was really awesome to play with a group of guys who made me feel like they wanted me to be there right like the from from top to bottom the guys that I was playing with we were it was a great group of guys and they wanted the they made me feel like I was wanted that is a huge part of recruiting right these guys are are living on campus these are guys you're going to see every single day and to make recruits feel like they're wanted right guys their age guys older than them to make them feel like they're really really wanted in the community that are really wanted in the locker room amongst the team that's huge because the the transition from high school to college is a drastic one it's a it's a it's a world shocker right especially when you throw in athletics into the picture you're, you're going from being the best of your best on your high school team, one of the best, to now you're a freshman and you got to completely start over. So, you know, the, it needs to be said, credit to to Dante, Maz, Cam, everybody else who, who is going out of their way to do recruiting on, on social media, in person. It, it shows a lot of maturity and it, and it shows a, a dedication to the program. And, and I think that to say that Gamecock fans haven't taken notice and, and just kind of you know, they love that, right? Dante Reno is taking pictures with babies, not because he's a big commit and everybody's excited. Like, don't get me wrong, everybody is, but they love the fact that he is so dedicated to the program that he has not only stayed committed to South Carolina throughout these these last couple months, because I know other schools have been talking to him. He has said it himself, but not only to do that, but to be public about wanting to go get these guys he's been so public about wanting other players to join him at South Carolina you know Gamecock fans they really really love to see that 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 makes them excited to have him on campus that makes them excited about the recruits that he wants on campus and so Dante if you hear this man keep up the good work everybody here uh, in, in Columbia Everybody around Gamecock Nation is rooting for you to continue to do what you're doing, and they want you to have all the success 
in the world because of it. But I, I felt like that needed to be shouted out because that is just that shows a lot of maturity first and foremost, and, and second off, that is just that, that's huge for Gamecock fans. That is huge in recruiting. So Dante, keep up the good work, man. We are fully behind you in that. So I mentioned the ugly. We've talked about the good. Let's kind of break down some of the ugly. We're going to get into best and worst things I saw over the weekend at Willie B. So let's start on the offensive side. The best thing I saw at Willie B is the plethora of options on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, good gravy. Spencer Rattler is going to be able to do rock, paper, scissors in the huddle with every offensive player and whoever wins is still going to be an unbelievable weapon, right? I already mentioned Eddie Lewis, a guy that I don't think is getting a lot of credit for his spring game performance. I thought he looked really good, right? He didn't go out there and, you know, catch four touchdowns and and have 400 yards, but he made some plays, right? He had one catch along the sideline that was, he went up and caught the ball over, I don't know who he caught the ball over, but it was a good player of the cornerback and he came down with the ball and I sat there, whoa. That's a that's a grab. He he was out there fielding punts. He's a guy that I think is going to be able to be used a lot in in the special teams game as well. So Eddie Lewis, a guy that I think has a lot of potential, right? Trey Knox, my offensive MVP, a guy that I think is first off is huge. He is a massive human being, and second off, he has great hands and can make plays down the field. I think that that's going to be huge for the Gamecocks as well. Joshua Simon mentioned him, another guy kind of like Trey Knox, just a really big guy, a really, really athletic pass-catching guy. I'm excited to see him play. Juice Wells needs no introduction. He is unbelievable, has been unbelievable. I think he's going to be even better from what I've heard. He just keeps getting bigger, faster, and stronger. I'm really excited to see him this upcoming year. Xavier Leggett, another guy from last year who kind of had an up and down year, right? Has that big kickoff return against Texas A&M, and then his season just skyrockets. He's a guy that a lot of people kind of rode off in, in I mean, he he had that, that play against Texas A&M, obviously. He had the big play against Notre Dame in the bowl game. He's a guy that I think could have another big year. Amarion Brown, a guy who's coming back, another guy that, that kind of like an Eddie Lewis is a smaller, faster receiver, but just another guy who can make plays down the field. There are so many other guys. I don't have time to go down the entire depth chart and name everybody and why they're going to be good. Oh, yeah, and this guy by the name of Nicholas Harbour, who's a massive freak of nature who's going to potentially run in the Olympics and is going to play wide receiver for the Gamecocks. He's just a yet another weapon that this offense has. So I, I say all that to just kind of build the anticipation to build the fact that I think that this offense is going to be one of the most electric offenses in the country. However, with everything that is good, there comes some bad. And, and I, I this is... It's going to sound harsh because it is my worst thing that I saw in Willie B on the offensive side of the ball, but it's really like, it's not the end of the world because we do have guys in this position that I think can perform, and that is running back concerns. We just don't have a proven guy, right? We don't have a guy that on a third and two, I feel really confident and we could give the ball to, and he can go get two yards and keep the drive alive, right? We don't have a Marshawn Lloyd from last year. We don't even have a Christian Beal Smith from last year. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Mario Anderson and DK and Juju are really good running backs, right? Mario Anderson was a guy that showed flashes in the spring game of being a guy that could potentially be a big time back for us. To carry on Jordan, I think he finally has a position on this football team, right? It's, it's taken five years, but I think we finally found one. So, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, it's, it's, 
there's still good running backs on the roster. But I think if I were Shane Beamer, Dowell Loggins, and, and this offensive staff, I would really think about going into the portal before it, it ends this month and, and going and getting a guy that can be on RB1 or at the very least just give you more depth at the position, right? We saw last year when we lost Marsha and Lloyd and Christian Beal Smith to injury, right? This is a demanding league. This is a physical league. And the running back position is one of the most physically demanding positions on a football field. So if nothing else, just go get some depth, right? Go get a guy that can push the other guys for, for snaps, for reps. Competition is never a bad thing. Iron sharpens iron, fight fire with fire, all that fun stuff. Uh, I think that that is my biggest concern for the offense it's hard to judge the offensive line because you're so split up. I think that this is a team that if they stay healthy on the offensive side of the ball, can have a big, big year. I'm excited to see how it all goes down. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, best and worst. We're going to start with the best. The linebacker play looked a lot better. Obviously, that is a very young group. You've got probably your most veteran guy from what I saw on Saturday, Stone Blanton, who's a true sophomore. So, you know, it's a very, very young group, but I thought Stone Blanton looked really good. I thought he made a couple big-time plays, made a couple tackles um, in the run game, just kind of filled up some holes. Looked really productive. Uh, Grayson Pop Howard, another guy in the run game that just looked productive. He looked as advertised. You got a guy like Mo Kaba who, who is hurt right now, and if he can come back, can give you that experience, that strength, that 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 determination at that position. Debo Williams, another guy coming back that I think could have a potentially big year for the Gamecocks. So the best thing I saw on the defensive side of the ball outside of the already stellar defensive back play is how much better we looked at the linebacker position. I think that that is a position in, you know, two, maybe three years. We could be sitting here talking about the Gamecocks having one of the best linebacker cores in the nation with Pop Howard, Stone Blanton, Wendell Gregory, and whoever else commits to the, the program. I think that, that that position, that position group, and those some of those young players have the potential to be really good players. The worst thing I saw on the defensive side of the ball is just the holes at the defensive line, right? Taka Hemingway didn't play. Um, Alex Huntley didn't play much. Obviously, Jordan Strawn is still out with injury. Um, and so, you know, it's hard to kind of say definitively that, that the, the, the defensive line is, is lacking in that position and we need to go get guys because I think that there are guys that could potentially step up and, and play big-time roles. Umiya Zolo is another guy, a true freshman, who didn't get to play in the game. Um, Xavier McLeod, a, a true freshman that I thought played pretty well. I, I was excited to see him. Um, I know he had at least one sack. He might have had two. Um, just a guy that, for being a true freshman, I thought looked pretty good. Um Oh, what's his name? Brian Thomas Jr., I think is his name, is another guy. I know he had two sacks in that game. Um, looked really productive. Just another guy that I think can be, you know, potentially a guy that steps up and, and fills a hole. But anytime you lose guys like Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch, two guys that were five-star recruits, two of the highest recruits in the country, anytime you lose production like that, anytime you lose experience like that, it's going to create holes. It's going to create, um, you know, just this concern, right? I think that's the best way you could put it is just, you know, us sitting here going, well, you know, I, I hope it gets better. And I think it will um, once fall camp rolls around. I don't think that that's something we need to be concerned about. But if that is something that that roll, fall camp rolls around and we're really lacking in, we could sit here and have another conversation of, well, once again, we can't stop the run. We're really good on the defensive backside of the ball, 
right? We're really, really good there. I think we're really deep, and we've got some guys who can absolutely play at the defensive back position. However, because we don't have the necessarily have the best defensive line, we once again can't stop the run. Even if the linebacker play is better, I just think that in the long haul, it's going to be difficult to stop the run if you're not getting pressure um, with that defensive line. So the last thing we're going to talk about from the spring game, and it's probably the most talked about thing in Gamecock social media right now. Quarterback Lenoris Sellers, true freshman from Florence, South Carolina, my hometown, looked unbelievable. Right, we we had heard that he was really good. Obviously, I know Lenoris. Um, like I just mentioned, he is from my hometown. He is a good friend of one of my friends that I played with at Coker. Um, I've hung out with Lenoris before, and to say I was really excited, really proud of him for showing up and showing out in the spring game is to put it mildly. Uh, I love to see some of the guys from my hometown succeed. I love to see some of the guys that I know from my hometown succeed. He was a guy last year that I was really, really excited about once I had heard that South Carolina had kind of reopened his commitment. And I know he was committed to Syracuse at the time, but I had heard that South Carolina was heavily pursuing him, keeping an eye on him, watching him play, because he's a guy that has just performed at a very high level for a long time out at South Florence. He led them to a state championship last year. He's a guy that I think in a couple of years could have a huge, absolutely huge role for the Gamecocks. But with all that being said, I've seen so much on social media with, you know, Lenoris is going to win the Heisman. Lenoris is going to take us back to the promised land. We're officially back because of Lenoris. Guys, listen. I love the fact that, that some Florence guys are getting some love. Some friends of mine are getting some love. But we let's just pump the brakes just a little bit. Let's not throw all these expectations on this kid who's been on campus for three months. Okay? Just give him a little bit, uh, a little bit of time to get going. I know that he's probably going to be QB two or three going into next year, but ideally we won't really see him next year, right? I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to sit here and, and argue that Lenora should be quarterback one, right? Ideally, right, he gets redshirted next year, and then in, in maybe two years we'll really kind of get to see him. But let's not throw all these expectations on him because I think Lenoris has the potential to be unbelievable. Knowing Lenoris, knowing how hard of a worker he is, hearing what I've heard from spring camp that he's first in, last to go, has just been one of the hardest working guys in spring camp. That's not surprising, right? That's Lenoris. He's always been a grinder. He's a guy that I think has a really high ceiling, has a ton of talent. Obviously, the athleticism is off the charts, and I'm really excited about that, and I'm really excited for him to see how that all works out. With that being said, don't put all these expectations on him because if he doesn't necessarily live up to them, whether that's that's you know he doesn't win a Heisman because he's you know third place in the vote, right? Don't don't put all these expectations on it and then be disappointed that you know even though he was an unbelievably great quarterback for the program and took us another step in the right direction, he isn't exactly what we had hoped for, right? Not saying he won't be. Hope he is. Hope he wins four Heismans. But, you know, I'm just keeping things real here. Don't kill him with the expectations. Don't put all these crazy expectations on him when you haven't even really seen him play in a college game. Give him some time. Let him put on some some more weight. Let him learn the playbook and get acclimated to the college life before we start throwing all these crazy expectations on him. Because I think he can get there. I really do. But let's just give him some time and kind of get him worked into the system. 
But enough with the football. Let's move into some of the other spring sports that we have talked about um, in the past. Softball. Guys, I got to eat a shoe on this one. I got to eat some crow. Um, Listen, before the season started, I had sat here and I told you guys, you know, keep the expectations minimal for softball. I think they'll be fighting around that 500 mark again. I could not have been more wrong. This team is unbelievable. They are 30 and 12 overall right now, 7 and 8 in SEC play. They are off the back of a series sweep against Texas A&M from this past weekend. They are ranked in the top 25. They are ranked 25th in the country for the first time in a couple years. Uh, this program has a lot of excitement around it, and honestly, it's getting overshadowed by the baseball program, and you know maybe for for good reason, just because of how good the the baseball program has been. However, with that being said, um, they they definitely deserve some credit. I'm really excited to see how the end of their season goes. Like I just mentioned, they swept Texas A&M this past weekend. They have a double header against Charleston Southern on Wednesday, so they're going to be looking for two more wins in the win column before taking on number seven Georgia on the road this weekend. A, a big, big-time series for them. They've got the potential to just skyrocket up in the rankings if they can go win that series down in Athens. Um, excited to see how, how they end their season. Obviously, the expectations have been so minimalistic up until this point that they've got nothing to lose. And, and we've said on the national podcast, when a team doesn't have anything to lose, that that's a great position to be in. The Gamecocks picked the finish last in the SEC, ranked 25th in the country. Um, I, I just think that Anything they do from here on out is going to be a win. It's going to be a very, very successful season. So credit to the softball program for that. Um, you know, they shut up a lot of people, myself included, who just didn't expect a lot out of this team. And clearly, we didn't. Well, all of us didn't know what we were talking about. So uh, love to see the softball program succeeding. And you can't talk spring sports right now, folks, without talking about probably the most exciting offensive baseball team in the country, the number six ranked team in the country as of right now, even off the back of a series loss on the road to number four Vanderbilt, the South Carolina baseball team. This team, oh my goodness gracious, they are unbelievable. They are, are an electric offensive team that hits home runs. They're, they're a team that we've seen a lot of good pitching from them. I think that that was expected going into the year. We had mentioned that the pitching staff was more experienced and, and, and capable of playing at a very high level. But, you know, sometimes it, it can be kind of up and down depending on the year. This team has surpassed all expectations, right? I expected them to be pretty good. I said that, you know, uh, on the, the season preview show, I said, listen, I think this team is going to be pretty good, so keep an eye on them, but, you know, I don't necessarily think they're going to go out and win a national championship. At this point, why would I pick against them, right? I don't see anything right now that is a glaring issue that, that I would make me say, don't pick them. Now, with that being said, they are off the backs of a series loss on the road at number four Vanderbilt. That is the first series loss of the year. The Gamecocks cruised through victory on Friday. I mean, just dominated the game. I thought that this was something to where South Carolina was going to just go out there and dominate all three games, but that's not, obviously not the case. They took Friday's game 14-6, to jumped out early to, to an early lead thanks to Cole Messina hitting a two-run shot in the first inning and never, never really looked back. And, and so... On th on Saturday, when when they jumped out to a lead early in the game again, I was sitting there going, "Wow, like this team is 
unbelievable. They're gonna they're gonna sweep Vanderbilt and. About that time, Vanderbilt went on a run. The Gamecocks made a couple errors in that ball game that, that kind of gave Vanderbilt new life, and Vanderbilt never looked back. Anytime you make errors on the road, especially at the number four team in the country's place, that's that's probably not going to end well for you. Um, obviously, Vanderbilt went on to win games two and three by final scores of eight to five and six to four. And they really kind of dominated that last game. Um, it was 6-2 to going into the eighth inning, and the Gamecocks were able to, to get a couple runs put on the board in the last two innings, but it just wasn't enough for them to, to get anything out of that last game. Um, and on an un, completely unrelated note, I was watching the game on Friday, and there was this whistling going on. And I was like, what in the world is that? What, like... What like is my TV broken? Is there a bird next to the camera? Like what the heck is going on? So I'm, finally, I found out on Twitter it was just like something Vanderbilt does. It's called the Vanderbilt Whistler. First off, that's dumb. That's dumb. That's annoying. I don't. I'm sure Vanderbilt fans love it. You know, it's it's probably like the rooster crow here. It's another dumb, annoying noise. But everybody here loves it. I love it. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? It's awesome. But I, I can I can understand where where the frustration would come from if you were an opposing fan. Um, so yeah, that was weird. It took me a solid 15 minutes to figure out what the heck that noise was. Um, and once I did, I just honestly just kind of annoyed me, but that's just a kind of unrelated note on the baseball side of things. Um, South Carolina, man, got a big, big, big time week coming up. They've got Charleston Southern on Tuesday. And, you know, a lot of times teams look at midweek games as an opportunity to get some young guys, some playing time, get some pitching, uh, updates and, and maybe critique a couple things. If I was South Carolina right now, if I was Mark Kingston, I would look to go out there and blow out Charleston Southern. Get some momentum back on your side because you've got a huge series coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. But yeah, I mean, listen, take advantage of the fact that you've got a lesser opponent in Charleston Southern. Go out there, get the bats hot, get some arms loose for the weekend and and blow them out, right? I hate to be that guy that's like, oh, flex your muscles on the mid-major. Like, oh, it shouldn't have played us. Like, I hate to be that guy, but I think right now, if I was South Carolina, if I was that 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 coaching staff, that's what I would be preaching, right? Go get some momentum back. Go go blow this team out. Go show the country that you are worthy of not just the sixth-ranked team in the country, but you're worthy of being a, a, one of the favorites to win the national championship. So that leads me into this weekend. We... Have an opportunity, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, South Carolina baseball's back, South Carolina baseball's back. I, I pump the brakes. We're having a great year. I'm not taking anything away from that. But we haven't really done anything that makes me go, yes, South Carolina baseball is officially back. We've got an opportunity this weekend against the number three team in the country, Florida, to not only win a series, but but really put the country on notice and say South Carolina baseball is back. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Founders Park's going to be rocking. I'm going to be there on Thursday. I'm super excited about that. It's going to be my first baseball game of the year. I will be covering that for you guys on Next Gen Gamecocks. Uh, just come, kind of some updates and scores from around the game. My thoughts on, on what's going on, the atmosphere, all that fun stuff. So I'll be covering that. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, it's probably the first time I've ever said I'm really excited to go to a baseball game in my life. But I am. Uh, this team just kind of has that effect on people. And, and so this team has an opportunity on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, I'm not saying you got to go out and sweep Florida. I'm not saying you got to go out and win by 5, 10 runs every single game. I'm saying if you can win the series, right, and maybe have one game where you kind of dominate like the first game against Vanderbilt, that's going to put a ton of pressure, not just on the rest of the SEC, 
but but on the rest of the country and say, listen, this team down to Columbia, they've won national championships before, and they look like they're capable of doing it again. Uh, I just, I mean, you can't take away from how big of a of a series this is, not just for South Carolina but for Florida as well, looking to establish the fact that they're a, a, a high ranking contender for the national championship as well. The SEC is just loaded year in year out, and it's no different this year. South Carolina's got an opportunity for for a big weekend um, out in Founders Park. I'm really excited to get out and, and see that series play out. And, and you know that that game on Thursday is going to be on ESPNU. It's going to be an opportunity for the entire country to see this South Carolina Gamecocks team play. There's not a lot going on on a Thursday night now and that we're in April and basketball season, all that fun stuff is done. So a lot of folks that aren't, don't really have anything to do, they don't really you know, have a, have a team that's playing maybe or, or maybe they're just a baseball fan in general, they're going to turn that game on and they're going to be able to see the South Carolina team play. Mark Kingston's side needs to take advantage of that. I think they need to go out and make an example of Florida and they just need to say, listen, it's been joked about, it's been said, but we're back, baby. And we're back and better than ever. And I think that this team has a chance to do that this weekend. And, and it starts on Thursday. So I'm excited to get out there to Founders Park on Thursday. I know those boys are going to be uh, just antsy to play. Uh, go make an example of Charleston Southern boys. Bring home a series win against Florida and officially put South Carolina baseball back on the map. Guys, that is going to do it for our show today as we don't have any listener questions. So, what does that mean? That means you guys don't follow Next Gen Gamecocks on Twitter. That is on Twitter at NXT Gen Gamecocks. So, you know, we do this every show, and I know that it's been a while, and I apologize, but we do a listener question segment, a listener thoughts segment at the very end of every show. So, if you guys want to get your get your thoughts uh, on the podcast, get your questions answered. Go follow us on Twitter. Once again, that is at NXT Gen Gamecocks, the next gen Gamecocks, one character too long. So we just cut out the E because you guys are smart. You guys can figure it out. It's just next gen Gamecocks shortened. Um, so with that being said, I'm excited to be back. I could not have picked a better time to get back. We're going to be covering Carolina baseball, softball, and obviously now it's football preseason. So we are excited about that. Guys, Have a wonderful week. Make sure you watch some softball and baseball. They've got two absolutely massive series coming up this weekend. We'll be covering it as best as we can. And as always, go Gamecocks. We will talk to you guys next week.